Well, if you've been here at all uh, during the month of December, you know that we have been doing a sermon series called The Sounding Joy, where we've been looking closely at the lyrics of Christmas songs and the scripture verses that inspired them. This time of year, we tend to hear Christmas songs everywhere, right? You hear them in church, you hear them outside of church, you hear them walking around department stores anytime you turn on the radio, but often we, we fail to really hear them, right? Uh, and so this Advent season, what we've been trying to do is to really hear these songs, to recognize and appreciate the biblical truths that they proclaim, And uh, the song that I've saved for last is the one that we just sang, O Holy Night. A couple of quick uh, background details about this song. It uh, originated in France in the 1800s. That much we know for sure. It's hard to uh, get really solid facts on the background of some of these songs. But as the story goes, in 1847... There was a Catholic church in a small French town that had just finished a restoration of their pipe organ, and they wanted to celebrate that occasion, and so they asked a man in that small town, a man named uh, Placide Capot, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think maybe that's how you say it, Um, and they asked him to write a Christmas poem to celebrate this this organ renewal, and uh, Placide actually wasn't a very religious man himself, but he was known for being a really good poet. And so he, uh, he accepted the offer, and he went back to the book of Luke, which he hadn't looked at probably for a very long time, revisited the story of Jesus' birth, and then he wrote the lyrics to this song. Uh, he wrote them in French, and the original title of the song uh, was Midnight, Christians. Uh, and uh, shortly after he wrote those lyrics, there was a French composer named Adolphe Adam who created the melody for the poem, and on Christmas Eve, 1847, this song had its debut in France. And from there, it quickly started to spread. And it spread all the way to a minister and music critic in the United States uh, named John Sullivan Dwight, who translated those French lyrics into English, and he did make some alterations. I looked at the exact translation and then the one that he did, and there were some lines where he changed the whole meaning, actually. So, um, But anyway, people in America have been singing this song now for 161 years. Long time. Now, I found that there are at least two really interesting stories about O Holy Night that you'll find if you do some digging online. And again, we kind of have to take these stories with a grain of salt because we can't know for sure whether these are, these are true, but they've been in circulation for a long time, and I kind of don't see a reason for someone to make them up, so make of them what you will. But the first story says that in the Franco-Prussian War on Christmas Eve, 1870, a, uh, a Frenchman put down his weapon, got out of his trench, and marched into the line of enemy fire put out his arms, and started singing, O Holy Night. And uh, rather than firing on him, one of the German soldiers stood up and started singing a German hymn that also celebrates the birth of Christ called, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. And then for the next 24 hours, there was a ceasefire. For a moment, each side recognized that 1,870 years ago, the Prince of Peace had come into the world, 
and they honored that by ceasing their fire. Second really interesting story that you'll find about O Holy Night is that many claim it was the first song to be broadcast over radio waves. Uh, up until 1906, the only thing that anyone knew how to send over radio waves was Morse code. Uh, no one knew how to send voices or music, uh, but there was this man named Reginald Fessenden, a Canadian guy who thought he had figured out how to do it. And so he knew some people who would be out on ships on Christmas Eve, and he said, you know, be tuned in to this station or whatever and be listening. And they heard Reginald's voice coming over the radio waves, first voice to travel over radio waves, and he started by reading from the Gospel of Luke, and then he picked up his violin and played O Holy Night. So if you hear O Holy Night on the radio this year, you can think, ah, 113 years, still going strong, and the original number one hit on the radio. Now, as with all of the songs that we've looked at in this series, it is important to remember these are not scripture. Okay, they're not necessarily perfect, but I think O Holy Night is definitely one of the good ones. Uh, I think it beautifully expresses the significance of what the Bible teaches about Jesus's birth. So I know we just sang this, but let's go to the first verse, lyrics of the first verse again. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world, the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That, those lines right there are what I want us to focus on right now. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Do you feel the worth of your soul? You should. You have tremendous worth, incalculable value. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you feel that? Now, just so we're clear, you don't have value because you've earned that. Uh, it's not because you're intelligent or you're good looking or a hard worker or a very moral person or because your cell phone never goes off in church. You know, because even if by relative standards you are all those things, the reality is you are still a sinner. We all are. Which means we have all played a part in contributing to the brokenness of the world. All of us are part of the reason that the world lies in sin and error pining. And yet, we should feel the worth of our souls. Why? Again, not because we've earned that worth, but because God values our souls. He values us the way a mother values an infant. An infant can't do anything to earn its mother's love, right? Can't hold down a job, can't help out around the house, can't make good conversation. But a good mother still values her infant intensely, right? Ferociously. And Christmas reminds us that God values us like that because it shows us how far God is willing to go to rescue us from our sad condition. He was willing to go from heaven to earth, the omniscient, 
omnipresent, supremely powerful Son of God was willing to be born as a baby. That's craziness. He was willing to take on the experience of the curse of sin and eventually to suffer and die on a cross. So when we see Jesus lying in the manger, we should feel the worth of our souls. We matter to God. I think that we human beings, we tend to fall into one of two opposite errors. Uh, one is to recognize that we're sinners, but then conclude that we're worthless. You know, when we feel this way, we say things like, no one could ever love me. I'm a mistake. I have so much shame. And then the other mistake is to think, oh, we are so extremely valuable. We are the best. And not even to think that we're sinners. I'm awesome. There's nothing wrong with me. Don't tell me anything's wrong with me. Everybody else is the problem. Right? But that attitude just leads to pride and arrogance. And I think some of us ping-pong back and forth between those two extremes. You know, one day we think that we're just completely awesome, and then the next moment, moment we just, you know, hate ourselves. And we're bouncing back and forth. But if we understand what Christmas is all about, it it can help to snap us back into reality. We're not perfect. We're far from it. That's why God had to take such drastic measures to rescue us. But he did take such drastic measures to rescue us. Why? Because he values us. Because he loves us. Feel the worth of your soul. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture comes from the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So to paraphrase that, Paul is praying that these people would have a supernatural revelation of how amazing God's love is. He prays that they would have power, to grasp the depths of the love of God. That's kind of an interesting word for that, right? Power? Why would you need power to grasp that? You need power to grasp that because the love of God is so great, we can't even comprehend it without a miracle. So often we make the love of, our, of God in our minds paltry and small and weak, but it's not. Paul says you need power to even begin to understand how amazing it is. And I think that the baby in the manger gives us a glimpse of how wide and high and long and deep that love is. Let's look at the second verse. Led by the light of faith, serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. I'm not sure what's meant by glowing hearts. Reminds me of E.T. Um, I'll take it as with affection we looked upon the infant Jesus. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lays thus in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need, to our weakness is no stranger. That's the part I want us to recognize, want us to focus on. In all our trials born to be our friend, he knows our need, to our weakness is no stranger. 
At Christmas, we celebrate that God is not distant and remote. He knows what it's like to live a human life. He knows what it's like to bear the weight of the curse and to be tempted and even to die. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I like to say that our God is not like some king who is ordering the, tro- the troops around from the comfort of some palace, you know, never having to get involved himself. At Christmas, we remember that God puts himself on the front line. At Christmas, we, re- we remember that God leads the charge against the demonic forces of evil. He, he steps into the mess of human life and subjects himself to it in order to overcome that mess. Let's look at the third verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, O praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. The line I want to focus on here is, Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Now, these lyrics are actually partly why this song caught on at first in the United States. Because if you remember what I said about when this was translated, it was 1855, right? Which, if you know U.S. history, you know that was just six years before the Civil War officially started. So those in America who were working to abolish slavery loved this song when they heard it because they heard in it an anthem for their cause, a Christmas anthem for their cause. But you might ask, well, what does Christmas have to do with ending slavery? Well, a lot, actually. Uh, When Jesus first started his ministry, he kicked things off by standing up in the synagogue and reading something that the prophet Isaiah had said about 700 years earlier. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus didn't just come to secure us a nice afterlife in heaven. He, He did come to do that. But he also came to remedy the injustice in the world. He came to bring freedom and relief from oppression. And honestly, the church still needs to continue his work uh, because slavery is not just a problem from the past. I I didn't even know this until recently, but uh, it's estimated that there are 40 million people across the world who are in slavery today. In 2019. And the gospel has power to change that. At Christmas, we recognize that God chose to become like a brother to us. He didn't have to. 
but he chose to, right? He humbled himself radically, taking on human flesh, identifying with us. So if God did that, what right do you or I have not to recognize other human beings as our brothers and sisters? Because they're a different race, or they're a different socioeconomic class, or a different nationality. I mean, God doesn't do that, right? God came down from heaven and earth to call us brothers and sisters. I mean, none of us has that far to go. As the song says, Christmas should remind us that the slave is our brother. God made himself a brother to the poor. So we should be brothers to the poor and the disadvantaged as well. You know, think about it. When God chose to be born in human flesh, he chose to be born to poor parents. The Bible actually says that when Mary and Joseph went to dedicate Jesus at the temple, they didn't have money to afford the standard sacrifice, so they brought birds as a sacrifice instead. God chose to be born into humble circumstances. He chose to be born to parents who were away from home traveling on a night when there was no room in the inn, on a night when the only resting place was a feeding trough for animals. If God did that, we should be able to say, the slave is my brother, the slave is my sister, the poor is my brother, the poor is my sister. The Apostle Paul understood this when he wrote these revolutionary words in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Finally, this song tells us what the appropriate response to this miracle is. This miracle of God valuing our souls so much, of him identifying with us and humbling himself and calling himself our brother. The appropriate response is fall on your knees before him lowly bend. In adoration, recognize the glorious, humble king as your Lord and as your God. That glorious king is worthy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that holy night long ago when you were born as a baby in Bethlehem. Help us to appreciate the beauty of the mystery of God in human flesh. Help us to appreciate everything that reveals about who you are and and how we're meant to live. May we feel the worth of our souls this Christmas Eve. We thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen.